0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on Episode 72, I'm going to Corpus Christi, Texas, to talk to Nate and Waldina Bigby. They're leading a small church in Corpus Christi and share how COVID has forced them to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. You'll learn about starting a Saturday morning church for men, how tennis may be a way to reach people, parking lot worship services, what three steps to make, to help you to grow in your technical skills? And what to do if you sense God calling you to a mission planting or small church? That and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm really excited about today's program because I'm interviewing Nate and Waldina Bigby, and I've got a connection with Nate that goes back about 15 years. When I planted a church in Ashland, Oregon in 2005, 2004, 2005, I didn't have any kind of a campus presence. And at that time, the church was tiny. I mean, I think we had maybe five or six people. But there was a very small campus ministry in Ashland that had about 5,000 students. And I really needed some type of a person. While I worked in real estate full time, I need someone to reach out on campus. And I don't even remember how I got into contact with Nate Bigby, but he volunteered to come down for a very minimal wage over the summer. And through his outreach, he began a campus ministry at Southern, Southern Oregon University. And I remember taking a, a motorcycle ride with Nate, and we went up and took a ride up to the top of the campus and prayed over the campus. And it was just me and just Nate, and there were no students. And we prayed over that campus ministry, and it was amazing because over the coming five, six, uh, seven years that I was there, that campus ministry flourished. It was a tiny campus, and yet we had a campus ministry of so, so many college students. It was awesome. And he was the beginning. And I remember Nate. He would he would travel. He would walk back and forth to the campus. And he he was all by himself, just one person. And I was so inspired by him and so grateful for him uh, because he he met a person named uh, Amy, Amy Campbell, and Amy became a Christian and her friend Sondra became Christians. And that was the genesis of our campus ministry. But it just started with one person. And from that day, I gave him the name Nate the Great Big B. and he's always in my spiritual hall of fame for his courage as a young man going on campus with nobody there and starting something that did not exist truly an example of faith and I'm so happy to to talk to him and his beautiful wife Waldina here today Nate and Waldina great to have you on the program
1: thank you so much for having us yeah
2: it's a pleasure to be on here
0: It is awesome. I just have so many great memories. It was such a short summer that you were there, Nate, and yet yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was so great. And I I think there was there was some overlap. We had I think Chris Schwarzenberger came a little bit later. There was a couple sisters that were there, and it was just so much fun. I remember there was a a, a trampoline in our backyard. And, and I had two young boys at the time. They were like around eight and 10 and they just thought you were amazing. And I remember you getting on the trampoline and just doing back flips, front flips. And we were like, oh my gosh, this guy is absolutely amazing. So Nate, the great, great, great to have you here. And Waldina, so, so awesome to talk to you this morning. Thanks for making the time.
2: Uh, thank oh, you. Of course. This is awesome. yes,
0: we're well, let me just here. let's go ahead and get started. And and why don't you just share how'd you guys become Christians?
1: Um, yeah, I'll share. So, in uh, when I was in university, I went to school in at Texas Lutheran University, and that's in a tiny little town called Seguin, Texas. Um, it's not far from San Antonio uh yeah so i was going there and my best friend my lifelong best friend we've known each other since we were like five years old had moved to san antonio and we had kind of lost touch over the years and when i knew that i was moving to Seguin, i knew it was close to her and so we ended up like kind of rekindling our friendship and she was going out to uh campus events with our church and so one of the days, I think I was staying the, the weekend over at her place, and she said, hey, Friday nights, I go to this campus thing with this church, and uh, do you want to come? And I was like, sure. At that time, I was like deep in my sin, and I was already kind of starting to search for God. I had an amazing foundation with my mom and dad growing up, going to church uh, pretty consistently, we would read our Bibles together. We would have family devotionals. But you know, I went to college and did my own thing. And um, and so at that time, I was had kind of been through a lot of pain already. And I said, yes, let's go. And that's kind of like that. It was an amazing uh devo that I went to. The sisters were so loving and so welcoming and I immediately fell in love with the group. And so they asked me that night, hey, would you like to study the Bible? And I was like, sure, kind of thinking like, I can teach you a few things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, we, we started studying the Bible and I quickly realized, oh, I am not really a Christian. I am not uh, really following what God uh, really asked of me from his word. And so I studied the Bible uh, for about a year So um, but then in 2010, I got baptized and um I became a disciple. So yeah, it's all thanks to my friend Jessica Cavasa. She still lives in San Antonio. We both ended up getting baptized. Um, so she's uh she's a very dear, special friend that I've known, you know, since I was little. So um yeah, that's my story in short.
2: Yeah, so uh, I grew up Pentecostal, actually, and, um, you know, was was a goody two-shoes two, two growing up, and then high school kind of went my own way and always told myself that I would get back to God when I was older, and that age kept getting older and older. I said, you know, when I'm mature and I'm 14 years old, then, then I'll get back to God. <laughs> 15 and 16, and, you know, that age just kept growing, and then, Uh, When I got to college, I went to a party a couple of days before school started and realized this is pointless, it's worthless, I really need to get connected to God, and a disciple held the door open for my roommate going into the dorms, and the disciple invited my roommate out to Bible talk for the first time, and I went along with him, um, and we quickly started studying the Bible, and what I loved about the Bible studies Was that we didn't work our way around the scriptures. It was straightforward. They expected me to follow them. They were following them. And that's really the thing that impressed me. Because growing up, you know, there are all these difficult questions that we just kind of sideways, you know, get around them and uh, wouldn't really dig into some of the difficult questions about sin and repentance. And so that stood out to me. And then they had me do my own conversion Bible study. So they gave me all the scriptures and said you're going to teach the next bible study and so i went and looked at all these scriptures about salvation and conversion and baptism and during my own personal bible study I had become convinced that i never became a christian the right way and came back and told them that and you know then decided i needed to really repent and get baptized and did that uh you know about i don't know three weeks later and have been following god the rest of my life
0: That's awesome. And that was at the University of Washington, is that right?
2: That's right, up in Seattle.
0: Okay, so you went to school at Texas Lutheran and then University of Washington. Okay, that's kind of far apart. So how did you guys (laughs) meet?
2: (laughs) Well, I moved down to San Antonio to go into the full-time ministry. And then one year, we decided to plant a campus ministry out at uh, Texas Lutheran University, where Waldina was at. And so I had been, you know, I was out there and had been studying the Bible with a guy and there was one disciple there already. Um, And so we actually met for the first time in Waldina's dorms during a Bible talk. And so that was our first interaction. Yeah,
3: very first. (laughs) I was not even like thinking about church. I had not, you know, been connected to our church in San Antonio at all. This was like months before that ever even happened.
2: Right. So that was the last Bible talk of the year that we had there. And then, you know, we, I wound up coming back to working more in San Antonio and uh, not focusing on TLU. And about a year later, I was doing the singles ministry and the teen ministry. And so I went to Dayana Wilkinson and said, hey, are there any sisters in the campus ministry that I should be looking out for who are maybe interested in ministry and that are awesome and, you know, et cetera? And she said, yeah, you know, there's this one sister, Waldina, but be careful, because there's a lot of guys who are interested in her. And uh, <laughs> So I didn't want to be the like fourth guy in line after church. <laughs> hey, we'll this, so. um, but then oh, I found that. unbeknownst
3: out... to me, by the way. I'm just clueless, like living my you know happy <laughs> disciple
2: life. <laughs> anyway, so I found out she was uh, out at Texas Lutheran University, and I was like, oh, okay, I have an in for a conversation, and so that's what we started talking about. And then we went on a date in Estes Park, Colorado, at one of the ICMC's. And it was, you know, an incredible date. We climbed a mountain and forged a river and had great spiritual conversation. And uh, I texted Janet Florent uh, that night and said, I found the one. You need to meet this girl. <laughs> and uh, a year later, we were married oh, right after the 2012 summit, actually.
0: Wow. Okay. So that, that spring when you were on Texas Lutheran, were you a Christian at that time, Waldina?
3: No, no, I was not. This was, what year was that? 2000? I think it was 2000, 10, right? Well, I was baptized in 2010. So oh, oh, either, nine, yeah, it must have been 2009.
0: Okay, so you guys met even before you became a Christian. Okay.
3: Yes which is pretty cool. That's
0: great. We didn't
2: know each other remotely. It was like one short conversation.
3: Yeah, it it was not deep. It was like, hey, what are you doing in my dorm, like common area? And and he's like, we're doing this. You want to stay? And I ended up staying and that was it. I didn't talk afterwards or anything.
0: Oh, okay, great. Well, Nate (laughs) and and Waldina, you guys were trained by Hervé and Janet Florent in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had Hervé on, on the program before and... I just want to ask you what three things stand out about their method of training? Like what, what did you get from their discipling and their mentorship?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I think I was shocked by when I first moved down, I I moved to San Antonio to be trained for the full-time ministry and kind of was, you know, trying to choose who I was going to be trained by, you know, throughout I had some uh, potential offers in the Pacific Northwest, but really wanted to get trained by Aravay and Mike um, because of their training record. And when I got down there, what shocked me was, you know, Aravay and I sat down and he said, okay, the nuts and bolts, the ins and outs of the ministry, you're going to learn those over time and you'll learn those from a lot of the other guys here. But what I really want to focus on with you is training in character. Because the truth is that it's going to get difficult again in the future. We'll have another 2003, 2004 time frame, And it's your relationship with God and your character that's going to drive you through those times. Not if you know how to lead the perfect Bible talk or Bible study or preach the perfect lesson. It'll be your character that really drives you through those. So that's one of the things that I got down there. and was expecting to read books and, you know, here's the five-step program and the next this and the next that. And it was so much more about character and relationship than I had expected so the character was huge but then also he really walked with me Um, you know every Tuesday night was time at the Florence and everybody and Janet's house and it would start at five o'clock and we'd sit down and we'd have a meal together with the family and then after the after the meal was over we'd go and we'd watch the basketball game which a lot of times I fell asleep on the couch at that point in time (laughs) Um, and then around 10 o'clock is when we would finally step into the office and we'd get into discipling and ministry and, you know, deep conversation until midnight or one in the morning. And so I had a solid seven, you know, seven plus hours every Tuesday to really not only learn the ministry from everybody, but also about family and connection and life and dinner and hospitality and what all of those things looked like as well so those I mean that was something that that was incredibly valuable training for me Um, and then I think the other thing that was huge that uh, Mike and Hervé are both huge on is learning to lead multiple ministries at the same time and learn all the ministries at the same time so that when eventually we would lead a church one day we would have experience in all the different ministries so I led the team ministry for a while I led campus ministry for a while um, young professionals for quite some time. I worked with the middle school for a period of time and then a region with adults. Um, so, you know, pretty much every ministry we've led for some period of time and we always had a minimum, sometimes three, but we always had a minimum of either two ministries or a or, or region on the side as well at the same time. And then, uh, Mike and Herve's theory was always, Hey, if you can learn to lead two ministries at the same time, then you can lead a church. Right. And so that was incredibly helpful and valuable training.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Waldina? Okay. So when did you know, after all this training, when did you know that you were ready to lead your own church?
2: Um, When we were asked to come and lead a church. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, truth be told, though, I mean, a, you know, a point of readiness, I felt, I think, ready for quite some time, because we had just done so many different things Mm -hmm. in the ministry, um, and leading so many different areas. (sighs) Ready to lead, I think, I mean, a lot of it was less about that I feel ready and a lot more about were we called. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's when, you know, if God was calling, we were going to do whatever God said. Um, and I don't know that I ever felt like, yeah, now I'm ready and I've arrived at this point where it's time to go lead a church. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was never a thought that hit my brain. Um, you know, we had been trained for a while, we got appointed and then, um, you know, leading multiple ministries. But I think being called what was is what was really mm-hmm. that's when it was like, okay, it's real. It's time for us to go out on this limb and do something new, get out of our comfort zone and do something different.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think we were really comfortable where we were at. (laughs) We had, you know, we were, I just bought a new house. We were excited about it. Our kids were happy. We were happy. We, you know, we loved our neighborhood starting to build friendships with our neighbors and just was so comfortable. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam, Corpus Christi. And I, yeah, I, it was definitely a leap of faith. Um, because again, we had been just so comfortable and you we were like, why would we want to leave this comfort? But I think coming down here and visiting, it was so clear that God was like, just take the leap, take a leap of faith, just mm-hmm. take it. You can do it. Um, but yeah, I, I also did not feel, Oh yeah, I'm ready to lead a church. It's definitely all right, God, you got us. <laughs>
0: right. Well, one thing that I, I see is that, um, Many, there's a lot a lot of large churches that have their heavily resources, a lot of money and support and so many people that are your age in their 30s um, are there on staff you know working multiple zones or regions and you know when I became a Christian, a lot of those people got sent out you know to to mission plantings. What do you see as the some of the big differences between leading multiple ministries in a large established church versus leading a small church that's not as resourced. And, you know, you're, you've only got 30 people in your church and you've got to do it all.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of what you said, you know, even in your question is the answer, you have to do it all, right? <laughs> so, you know, with we've got, what, 30 people in the church. And so there's a lot of There's a lot of responsibility, you know, in a larger church, you have, like you said, you have a ton of resources, you can delegate a lot, there's help everywhere you look, and there's a lot of structure in uh, many of those churches already, and I think for me, coming and leading a church, you know, the structure disappears, and you have to build it for the first time, or Mm -hmm. rebuild it if someone has already, you know, planted the church Uh, before you. And, you know, it just reminds me of what Paul said about wanting to, you know, plant on no other foundation than that of Jesus Christ. And so for me, that was, I think, to me, it was really a refresh, I think, in a lot of ways. And coming down here and kind of, okay, now it's all on you, and you have to build from the ground up, and you have to trust in God, Mm -hmm. and it's 100% on faith, and go and do it. That was a very different experience for me. And it really, to be honest, it ignited a flame in me that I hadn't felt in a long time that was really beneficial for my faith. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's hard <laughs> and it's way more. I mean, in some regards, it's a lot more work than what I was doing before. Cause I have to pick up all the nuts and bolts and learn all the different things that I had people doing in our ministry. And, you know, we, I think in a lot of ways, to me, at least I have to supplement the structure that we had with faith, which is so important for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and feel like, man, that's, that's something I really gained coming down here is a re refreshed and renewed faith in God. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome.
3: I'd add that I think something that, you know, we didn't necessarily do a lot of in San Antonio and that we're doing here is just using everybody, you know, like anybody who has a willing heart <laughs> to help and serve. Like, all right, come on in, like what can you do? How can you help? How can you serve? Um and so I think that's been really encouraging just to see the hearts of the disciples here to just, hey, if you guys need anything, what can we do? I want to serve people that maybe hadn't done anything before. And so I think really saying yes and giving them even just even if it's a small job, like pick up the cables, you know, for Sunday mornings or um, and just really utilizing the serving hearts and really like, you know, giving them a task, giving them a a job.
0: That's awesome. Well, now can you tell us a little bit about the city of Corpus Christi, Texas and the church?
2: Yeah, totally. So Corpus is about 300,000 population. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a beach town. It's on the coast of Texas on the Gulf coast. Yeah. And uh, it's about 63% Hispanic, extremely religious community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of people say there's a church on every block. There are like five churches on every block. <laughs> yeah. um,
3: like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so tons of churches. I mean, there's a church of Christ up the road, down the road. There's a Catholic church there. There's a mega church that, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's crazy. So there's churches all over the place Um, but you know, it's an incredible city. We love it. And we love being here. Um, You know, the, the men was something when we first got down here, we couldn't meet together. Uh, We met with each of the couples in the church, but then we really got heavily locked down. And so we had to do a questionnaire with everybody. So we did this 14 uh, part church health questionnaire. And one of the things that we found and the previous leaders had told us was that with the men in the church, it was, uh, it was very difficult to convert them because they either, you know, when you studying the Bible with them, they either had a major lack of character or they were really stubborn and didn't want to, you know, confront a lot of the mm-hmm. sin in their lives. So mm-hmm. it was definitely, you know, it's a different experience in a lot of ways um, with mm-hmm. the type of people here. But at the same time, God wants everyone to become Christian. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. love it.
3: It definitely is like a family feel also, you know, I, I, it's a small city um, but everybody is so connected. Uh, I've met people that are like, oh, you know, I'll say, oh, do you know so-and-so? Oh yeah, of course I know so-and-so. And, um, you know, that aren't a part of our church, just, you know, people that we've met that, um, everybody's just really connected and the church is amazing. I know I shared about them already. They're loving, they're unified, they're so serving to one another. um, And it's just, it's been really refreshing to uh, be a a part of a group that is just so uh, excited and and really wanting to reach the city. Um, So yeah, the church uh, is small, have 29 disciples currently. Um, But yeah, they're a lot of fun and we've been so encouraged uh, by them and, and they've welcomed us with wide open arms, so sweet and kind and we're really loving the city. Yeah, there's it's so small. There's one of everything, which coming from San Antonio, where there's like a Target on every corner and a Walmart on every corner. There's one Target, one TJ Maxx, <laughs> there's no Costco. <laughs> but surprisingly, we've loved it. At first, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to like it. It's so tiny. But the first day we moved, it just it felt like home. And we're, we're mm-hmm. loving the city. It's beautiful. <laughs>
0: Well, okay. When did you guys arrive in in Corpus?
2: Yeah, we got here in the beginning of June, so June 1st, I think
0: okay. it was. Okay. So you guys landed took over right in the middle of COVID. Yes. Okay. So what's been your strategy? I mean like what in that situation, what was your mindset? Can you describe okay, what 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 was your plan? <laughs>
2: good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, most everyone's advice was get to know the church, get to know the church, get to know the church. Yeah. And we're sitting here going, how do we get to know, how do you build relationships with people over a screen? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we got together with every couple once right before everything really locked down for us here in Corpus. And so we had to, you know, we had to do a lot of different methods than what we're used to when you jump into a ministry. And get to know people. So, um, one of the major focuses when we first got down here was really a massive push in the multimedia, internet, um, like everyone was doing, but on a small church level. So, we really had to, the, the big focus became okay, you know, how can we transition and shift? And to me, the theme for kind of 2020 and even 2021 was from John 21 throw your nets on the other side of the boat, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they have been focused you know, fishing all night long on one side, on one side, and that was trying to transition and do something different. And I feel like that's what we really had to do coming to Corpus is relearn a lot of the things, you know, a lot of the core fundamentals still stay the same, but a lot of the methods have to change during quarantine. And I think even during, you know, our current age, we just have to transition and, and do things differently than we have in the past in a lot of ways
0: okay so can you describe can you dig a little deeper like what do you mean by that like what are you doing differently than than prior to that
2: totally so um you know at first so we came down here i decided you know what the church really wants i heard that they really wanted to start streaming services so but there's little resources so i sold all my records i sold my record player and a couple other hobbies and some woodworking and stuff. We didn't need anymore around the house when we were moving and bought a decently nice camera and then jumped into learning photography and videography. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I just spent a ton of time before we left learning how to use it and learning what to do with it so that when we came down here, we'd be ready to go and set up. And the cool thing about a small church or or live streaming in general is that a lot of times you have no idea what the size of the church is through a camera. You know, there's very little times when people turn around and pan and see the rest of the crowd. So we could, if we could recreate and make a really good looking production, then that's something that, you know, you wouldn't know if it was a mega church or a small church and would be attractive to anybody coming in. So um, we started live streaming. We came in, I connected with uh, Christian Ray Flores, and we did a rebranding of the church logo and kind of some of the... um, the 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 colors and all of that kind of stuff after so I did a bunch of, I looked up all the major churches in Corpus Christi figured out what was popular what was working here and then transitioned and uh, created a new brand logo and all that kind of stuff for our church we did add Christian and uh, another sister that helped me out from San Antonio did a whole new website um, trying to do the same thing you know coming and making you know, it as modern as we can and you know use things that others have found that are really helpful in order to do that and then we started pushing with social media and we started you know from that survey and figuring out okay we need to help men out we started a church for men on Saturdays that was I'm you know I I started going through the church and interviewing all the guys in the church um, on Saturday mornings and it's a quick 30 minute little lesson short for guys um, at first we started by playing like sports bloopers and stuff in the beginning. And uh, <laughs> then we moved on and just, just had like interaction with the guys. And so I'll usually ask them to prepare a five to 10 minute lesson for men. And then I interview and dig in and kind of ask them questions moving forward. And so right off the bat, we got a couple of Bible studies that came mm-hmm. uh, from doing that. Um, and so, you know, we, really just having to jump into a bunch of virtual stuff. Even, you know, I I can't stand personally social media. I've been off of social media for like four or five years. And there's like my last Facebook post was like from four years ago before quarantine started. But the truth is that, you know, we've got to go to where the people are. And right now everyone's on Instagram, everyone's on Facebook. So Mm -hmm. learn how to be successful with an Instagram account called a buddy of mine in the church who's done a phenomenal job at it and you know, kind of started things off, got them going, found someone in the church who was eager and passionate about it. And then once we got it up and rolling, transitioned, handed that ball off. And so now we have an Instagram account that's up and running and, you know, gets worked on on a weekly basis. So yeah,
3: I think the little like motto that we have been saying since the beginning of all this is, it's not about, it's not about like what we like, or if we're into social media or not, it's about what's going to help. And so, you know, because a lot of us don't do social media, a lot of us don't like Instagram, a lot of us don't like Facebook, but it's not really about whether you like it or not. It's about really trying to reach where people are at right now. You can't just go to the coffee shop and say, Hey, let's, you know, have some coffee. It's, it's about online. And, and I think that's something that we've said a lot. It's not about what we like, you know, it's about what's what's going to work and really trying to, get out of our comfort zone and, and and do the things that are hopefully you know going to work
2: Yeah. so we came in learned the church through the questionnaire really tried to get to know the leaders really well um and then you know once we did that try to learn the city the best we can and what's working for all the other religious groups around us obviously without compromising, compromising any of our own convictions or teachings and then digging in and trying to put as much of that stuff online And then the other area we tried to tackle, we found out that outdoor sports are having some of the lowest transition rates um, of anything. So we've got, you know, yeah, with COVID. So we've got parents that have their kids in softball and nobody on the softball team is getting it, even though they're practicing and all that kind of stuff. So we found, um, so a part of the church for men is once a month, once a month, we go and do something together others guys. So we'll go fish play disc golf or uh you know something else that's outdoors that we can still social distance, but build relationship because the truth is that people are so eager right now uh, for interaction with other human beings. And so it's you know if you can do something that's outdoors and socially distanced and safe, then that's an area where you're, you know, we're getting people out. And especially um they Venus started kind of doing this tennis thing and that has exploded and led to so many amazing interactions
1: mm-hmm.
2: um that have just blown our minds
1: yeah i
3: started uh i played a little bit of tennis in high school and then one of and, but like never touched a racket since i don't know 2008 um and uh but one of the sisters here uh i can't remember how she got involved in tennis and one day you know with the spirit of trying to meet new people and reach out to this one woman that she was reaching out she said hey would you come play tennis with me and join this like little fast track um tennis lesson thing and I was like oh okay it's not about me it's about meeting people (laughs) and so I said sure and so I went and that's been the beginning of this like massive uh watering hole that we have found and so from there I became friends with the tennis director, started meeting a ton of different people that regularly go play tennis, have gotten a ton of numbers, have gotten a Bible study out of it, um, hopefully more to come. I just jumped in in November, I think, is when I started all of this. But that has been such a, a really cool focus of mine personally is, okay, go go be a part of the, these tennis groups, get numbers, build friendships, build relationships, and that has been, I mean, there's been a lot of really cool things that have come out of it. It's, it's been really encouraging and mm. I'm just praying and begging God that some fruit will come out of that.
0: That's so cool. Okay. So what you're saying there is that like organized sports have, have been down in the attendance, but people are still wanting to get outside. So you've taken advantage of that. Is that right?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. And like I mean, it's all of these different things and it's a lot safer than meeting at a coffee shop or a restaurant or anything like that. And people they want the interaction and a lot of people are open to doing things outdoors. I mean, the tennis thing has been amazing. We've gotten on the local news because of it through wow. one of the uh connections there telling people about how to raise money for um Hope Worldwide in Honduras. Um, you know, the women have been able to go out to uh, a Dave and Buster's on a consistent basis because the manager is a tennis person and, you know, hooks them up with all sorts of stuff. Uh, we get it, we're excited. We are supposed to do it in December. We get to sponsor a tennis clinic, which just means we're doing the advertisement for it. Uh, we get to sponsor it and then we're going to have this tennis clinic that we get to invite a bunch of people to for free. Um, it's going to be a ton of fun. So it's not yeah. normally
3: for free, but he was just so kind and just so open, and was like, "Sure, we'll we'll do something like that. Bring all your people people over." So that's been really encouraging. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Okay, so this the tennis program is going great. Anything else that that's working for you in this new environment?
2: Um. So there's a lot of stuff we're excited about that's coming up. I mean, all of the online stuff has been very helpful for us. We've seen people come out um, through that. I think, you know, it's interesting. This is obviously everything's different reaching out right now Mm -hmm. um, and reaching out the way, even especially here in a place that's so saturated with churches. And, you know, it seems like everybody already goes or has at home church, we've really had to shift gears in the way that, you know, we reach out when we are out and about. Um, so, you know, just inviting somebody to church doesn't work as well as it would in, you know, maybe a big city where it, uh, or a city that doesn't have as many churches at least that drives a lot of conversation.
0: Okay. So let's, let's drill down a little bit on that because I think that's, that's a good question is I think there's a lot of church leaders that they They've got at least some basic form of online video work going. You know, they're getting their message out there. How do you convert those people watching into Bible studies? Like, how are you, and and how do you invite people to church in this current environment? How do you take that next step? Of course, people are getting, they're projecting, but how do you move from just kind of uh, passively waiting to actually converting those into Bible studies and people who are coming into the church?
2: Yeah, that's the million dollar question right now, right? Everybody wants to know, how. okay, we're doing online stuff, but how do we convert it? I think one of the things, I mean, I'll jump, I think I'll more directly answer the question in a minute. But I think a lot of it is that, you know, we've got to stop looking for quick results. And Mm -hmm. because we're building, we don't have years of this stuff going on. Most of us don't. that you know some of the churches that have been doing this for a long time and have a massive following a big base you know when when everything transitioned it was easy for them to you know transition and start grabbing people but for those of us who are just getting started it's gonna take a little bit of time and you know whether it's podcasts or blogs or facebook instagram TikTok, live stream website updates there's a ton of different avenues to pursue right now but they take time to get a consistent following to where you know you've actually got people who consistently watch you. And you're right. Before someone would live stream and they'd watch two or three live streams to check out and test your church to build that trust, right? And then from there they would come out and you could meet them at the door. But now there's no door for you know many places. None of that's working. Um, I think you know for us one of the things that's been helpful is doing parking lot services. And so one of the brothers has a trailer, and we pull the trailer up and put some cinder blocks under it. And uh, one of the sisters decorates it and that's our little stage. And we got an FM transmitter so that the cars can listen. Um, And so that's a cool way where people can come and check things out but still feel 100% safe. And, you know, that's been super successful and helpful. Facebook ads has been helpful and successful for us where we've been able to, you know, for like 10, 15 bucks, you can reach two or 3000 people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, your ad comes up, you can market to the exact type of person that you're looking for, you know, so for church for men, we're able to hone in on men in this age group from, you know, this pot, this circle around the city and, you know, hone into that. So that's been helpful. And then I think the biggest thing is, and this was true even before COVID, is having a a follow-up team. Um, People who are paying attention and then responding back to people Mm. and making that personal real connection um, afterwards. And that's difficult. To me, that's the hardest part of all of this social media is making those personal connections and so for us, you know, I I put out there, I you know, I put up a little thing, hey, if you need prayer or anything like that at all, please go ahead and email us. And so the guy emailed and I said, would you like to pray over the phone? And he said, yes. And so then we prayed over the phone and then I said, hey, I've got, you know, a Bible study series that I think would really help you out with all the things that you're, you've got going on in your life. And, you know, he had recently been divorced and his kids were estranged from him and he had lost his job and, you know, great guy, but just had all this crazy life happen to him. And so we were able to start studying the Bible from, you know, just those one step, next step, next step. And one of the biggest things I think is a lot of times we want an immediate response when we post something. So we post an event and we want people to come out to it. But in this type of marketing, the online marketing, so much of it is about providing real content. And then once people trust the content that you're putting out there, then they reach out and want to purchase, so to speak, um, what you're providing. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I've done a ton of research and tried to learn as much as I can about all this YouTube and online marketing. And the rule of thumb is 80% content, 20% invitation to participate, purchase, whatever you're selling, um, 80% that you're giving and only 20% that you're asking people to sign up, join us, come on out, that type of a thing. So, which is tough, but right. that's what's
0: working. Okay. So this is super helpful, Nate and Waldine. I really appreciate it. love what you guys are doing. Now let's... You know we've we've got people listening all over the all over the world, um, small churches, and, you know, like me, I faced a challenge where I go, okay, where do I start? I mean, there's like like you mentioned, there are so many social media platforms, there are so many ways to get out there, and there's such a a race to try to catch up and to try to get the message out there. Um, what advice would you give like if you could give like step one two three where do you focus like where, you know there's times i just go i'm just i can't do all of that so where could i start where do i start where can i get focused initially to to get the message out there
2: yeah um i think getting a website that looks good is your first step you know it's kind of the that's what people, even, and I would have given the same advice one year ago before all this happened, you know, our, the current generation and the way that trends are going, when somebody comes out to church, you know, you have to build trust with people and that's a commodity that's less and less in our day and age. And the first place that people will normally go to is a church website. They hear your name, you reach out to them and they go, okay, and unless you've built a longstanding relationship with them already. If you're trying to, you know, reach a lot of people quickly, they're going to go to your website and see what it looks like. And if it looks like it was from the nineties, they're not going to want to come out to church. (laughs) And so I think the first step is getting a website that matches your community that looks similar to, you know, what's going on around you and getting that built. And then the second thing, I think step two is really getting moving on Facebook. Um, all of the other platforms are kind of, they have their own space and niche, but Facebook, you can actually do almost all of the other things on Facebook, right? Facebook and Instagram are owned, uh, Instagram is owned by Facebook. And so if you get going on Facebook, you can also just post on Instagram if you want to. Uh, more people are on Facebook really than any other platform. You can put your videos up on Facebook from a phone super easily. And so it's kind of this catch-all. You can do advertisements on there. You can do, uh, you know, you can post what's coming up for the week. You can do live prayers on there. You can do so many different things through Facebook that that's, that's just so beneficial and helpful. Um, and then from there, I'd go to YouTube and start posting your videos up on YouTube. Because Facebook, you although you can post things on Facebook for your, you know, your live videos or whatnot. It's not a good spot to go and find them all for somebody who wants to kind of backtrack and see what you're all about. YouTube allows you to do that. You know, it's all videos on one spot. So you can see the sermons and the titles and what the church is about and who's speaking and, you know, the worship and all that in one spot. And so that's the next, you know, step mm-hmm. I would go after that.
1: Yeah. I think one thing that I realized that Nate has done a lot of also is ask a ton of questions to the people that are that maybe were already excelling in this or quickly started excelling in this during COVID and before COVID, he was on the phone, Zoom calls of people getting advice, phone calls of people getting advice, constantly just trying to learn from YouTube videos on even how to go about all of this. We were like, you know, like he said, he's not um, super active on social media. So he's like, what are stories <laughs> and how do I use those? And and what are they for? and. And so um YouTube has a lot of really great resources on, you know, how to use the stories for your church and how to be able to reach, you know, people through Instagram or through Facebook. And I think that's something I really appreciate about you, honey, is that he just got on the phone and asked a ton of questions, did a lot of learning for himself because this isn't, you know, it's not, it's not something that we've known forever. It's something that Nate has really um, learned when COVID started when COVID started last year, asking a ton of questions. So I think that's something that, you know, can be really helpful too, is look around and see what churches around you are, have already started and kind of gotten their foot on the ground and, and starting them asking tons of questions. Okay. How do I get started with the Instagram or even the website? Cause that can be overwhelming too. Like, how do I do a website? Just ask a lot of questions. And I think people have been very willing and uh, to help.
0: Okay. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Like you, you said that you sold everything, you bought a camera and you really got into videography and and learning there for, for the person who's listening. It's like, Oh boy, you know, where do I start? Let's talk about equipment. Okay. What, you know, for the person who's now filming it on their iPhone, where would you say to go in terms of just the equipment to try to develop the quality of of their their service and what, any advice on equipment.
2: Yeah, so that's a big topic. Um, the first thing I'd say is for all of this social media, all of the online stuff, the streaming. One of the best resources I found is a guy named Brady Shearer, and he is uh, he does a bunch of YouTube videos. And so he has a video about what are the five best cheap cameras under thousand dollars for your church. For live streaming and what type of equipment do you need for audio and you know he's just he's got everything they can even they even have a website and they can you know build it for you they have the best giving platform i've seen so far which is rebel give uh, which takes pretty much nothing away from the giver it does a it, they set it up directly so it's bank to bank and so you don't even have to you don't lose any percentage when you're giving which i know a lot of churches are concerned about um, and even if it, if they do choose the credit card option, it's only 2% and it's automatically taken out, um, off of the top. So they they've got a ton of incredible resources. I mean, with any, everything, I don't agree with everything that he puts out there, but he's a really solid resource practical. Um, but if you're asking me, can you, you know, Can what, you
0: spell that name out? Brady? I'm sorry.
2: Uh-huh. And then it's Scherer, Shearer, S-H-E-A-R-E-R
0: s-h-e-a-r-e-r okay brady shearer he's got his own website yeah. is that on youtube or yeah both?
2: it's on he a lot of his stuff is on youtube uh pro church tools is the name of the the company or the brand that he works with okay great. and i mean literally from coming up to your title how to build a website from yeah. scratch what type of everything everything that you can think of or have questions about he's got an answer to it. Okay. Yeah.
3: And and easy to follow. Like I'm not good at all this stuff either, but I could watch a video, press pause, do exactly what he's saying. And you know, like step-by-step, it's very practical.
0: Any other books or resources that you could guide us to direct us to that have been helpful for you? Um,
2: there's not a whole, not, I haven't seen any books on this topic. Um, I think the other person that I've really started paying attention to and watching is uh, Travis, let's see, how do you say his last name? Al Britton, Travis Al or Al Brighton. Uh, he's a disciple out in Florida and he does the Practical Christian podcast. Oh, nice. And he has a bunch of incredible, I mean, he's been doing it for, I think since 2018. So he's got three years of content. He just came out with a new course on digital media and how to start a profitable digital media for people who are in the ministry or who aren't and want to get started on something like that. Um, So, you know, if you look up the, uh, the practical Christian podcast, all of his stuff can get linked through there. So he's got some great courses online that are super helpful. That's
0: fantastic. For people
2: to Mm -hmm. dig into. So
0: what what have you found that you've tried that you've used in the past but is not working for you now?
2: That is a great question. Um, I mean, normal. Again, because of the amount of people that already you know claim to be Christians here in Corpus, just inviting people out to church isn't really working right now. And so, one of the things uh, I was when I was up in Seattle, I got to have quite a few uh, discipling times with Scott Green. And one of the things Scott said is that for religious people, you have to find something that you have that they don't and highlight that, highlight an aspect of Jesus that, that they don't have. And that's how you help someone who is religious become a Christian. And so, you know, even in our, we were out at, we were on a date last night, we finally got a babysitter, got to go on a date, which was so exciting. And, uh, so even talking to, you know, the, the waiter there you know, I was talking about, you know, we, we focus, I focus on training up men and tried to hit some things that maybe the church that he goes to already, which he does go to a church, one of the mega ones just up the road from us, doesn't have set up for him or something that's appealing to him that he's not finding where he's currently at. So um, I think our normal way of just reaching out to a lot of people here has not really worked. Again, the quick results is something Um, that hasn't worked. We're in a saturated market right now. Everyone's live streaming. Everyone's doing all the things that, um, you know, should be working in a, in a normal time frame. And then like we talked about already too, the follow-up to online services is something that we're still struggling with. We're still, you know, still trying to figure out how to make that connection with, you know, we see how many people watch or whatever, but how in the world do you make that connection to somebody? And um, you know, the live chat is helpful, those types of things, but Um, yeah, I think our, our standard way of reaching people just with tons of different invites face-to-face that's not really been working right now. And we've really had to amp up our game and present things that sound different and appealing to a lot of different people.
0: That's super helpful. Now, one of the things I'm excited about is we're planting a church in Flagstaff, Arizona. And so, yeah. you know, I've got a real heart for for mission plantings and small churches. Um, and, and I think there are p- people probably listening, thinking, "I'd love to go on a mission team." Whether you know, whether they're married or single or whatever, can you share a little bit about the process of coming from a large church, San Antonio, to Corpus? What did you see? What did you experience? How did it affect your relationship with God? Um, and what advice you'd give to people that are considering maybe going to a smaller church?
2: That is a great question. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, our story is really a Jonah type of a story when it comes to coming down here, unfortunately, (laughs) but at the same time, that's kind of how it went. Um, We, you know, we had just bought, let's see. So in September of 2019, we had just gotten a new house. Our old house, we couldn't have events inside. We had a big backyard, but we'd get rained out frequently. And so we were really praying for a bigger place. So we got this killer deal on a 3,300 square foot home where we could host our ministry at at a massive backyard (laughs) with like eight different types of fruit trees. There was a green belt behind it. There was a Lowe's and a Target. So it was dangerous for us (laughs) at the same time. I mean, it's exactly what we had always wanted. And so we got advice and we were ready to stay there for the next five to 10 years and had these like cool dreams and plans. And that was in September. And then, you know, it was great pool gated pool thing for the kiddos. That was in September. We got home from Christmas break on January the 6th. And Hervé and Janet said, "Hey, we want to get with you tomorrow." <laughs> we got in at midnight, and we we're like, "Okay, like we we're, we're like, just getting in right. at midnight, you know." We're, and we're normally we were exhausted. And normally they're like, "Oh, okay, no problem." They said, "Okay, great. So can we get together at noon?" We're like, "Okay, something's <laughs> up." <laughs> and so, uh, so they asked us, you know, "Hey, we're excited about 2020 for you guys, and we wanted to see." What you think about moving to corpus christi and leading the church and so i respond my response was do you want me to think about it and have a godly answer for you in a day or two or do you want my gut reaction right now and so they said how about both we'll have right now and in a, you know in a, in a couple of days and so i mean there were so many so many reasons i didn't want to this house was awesome how are we going to sell the house? We had only had it for three months at this point in time. So there's no way we could have turned around and sold it without going into debt. You know, it was a large house, so it wasn't good for rent to to rent out. Um, I personally hate the beach, which is a strong word and I use it accurately. Um, I don't like the beach. I never have. I always get sunburned wherever I go, you know, redhead and I I just, I get sunburned. I don't like the sand. I don't like the smell of the salt water or the ocean. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's just, I love the mountains and rivers and lakes. That's, that's me. But the beach, I I just, I have, I don't like it. Not a fan of it. Um, You know, we came to visit and it was like dreary. It's more expensive here. So we weren't sure what type of a house we were gonna get. You know, our kids had just made some really great best friendships in the church there and then of course we had no idea that covid was looming right around the corner as well so we had all these reasons that wouldn't work i think waldina can share about how we felt once we continue to pray and fast about it
3: yeah so we came we you know before we made our decision yes or no we came you know at least we could do it's a two-hour drive from san antonio and we uh we came and it was very rainy and dreary and dark and we were just driving around the city and I'm looking kind of like look at one of those dramatic like music video scenes where I'm just looking out the window and I just start crying like oh. this it's not pretty here. <laughs> <laughs> it was like tons of potholes and mm. it was I mean I don't need to go into those details but It was, it was really sad, like driving, driving around here and thinking, okay, God, like there was something, there was something inside of me that knew, like every inch of my body was like, you don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to come. This is my dream home. We had so many fun plans of like updating it. And we, you know, had like, I don't know, 20 something events with our ministry in the house, in the backyard. Like it was, it was an amazing home, loved our neighborhood. And then we're moving here where we have no idea where we're going to live. It's not pretty. Nate hates the beach. I'm not a fan of the beach either. And so everything, every part of my body was like, don't do it. (laughs) But my spirit, like every part of like the spiritual side of me was like, okay, we, there is nothing, there is nothing holding me back spiritually. Like I, I felt like it was you know, that scripture that talks about if you just have, you know, faith size of a mustard seed, God can move those mountains. And it just, that's kind of how we felt like God quickly started moving all of these mountains that we thought like, well, there's no chance of us being able to, you know, sell this house. So maybe that'll be it, you know, but anyway, so it was, it was this like tiny, tiny size of faith that we just had to take. And this leap that was so scary and God completely blew it out of the water and I think yeah
2: yeah so they asked us in January the move date was April and so we really only had two or three weeks to decide before um, they kind of needed to know an answer because they would need to search for somebody else and so it was quick so called a lot of people that I trusted got input from them about what they thought and you know basically shoot down all my worldly responses to this please and help me look at this spiritually (laughs) and um you know fasted about it prayed yeah. and we're just convinced that this is the direction god had for us and what's crazy is that as soon as we decided that we were going to come down here and we gave them the heads up god it's like god had all these dominoes ready and all of our fears and all of our worries one by one went right out the window yeah. i mean it was phenomenal it was these people that we love and trust in our ministry said hey We want to rent your house for the next year we'll pay you whatever you need to make it work and they still get to have ministry events at our house which is why we bought it in the first place we didn't know how we're going to afford a decent you know spot for us and the kids here we came down and there's this you know incredible house that was four hundred dollars out of our price bracket for a rental and the um the realtor came back and said hey i talked to the owners they're willing to drop the price $400 a month for you guys so that you can live here wow I mean stuff like that that just didn't make sense there were way more kids down here than we realized and so our kids were able to build quick friendships and so you know I think to answer your question the big thing is I going on a mission planting it's a leap of faith and it's a call from God and if God Mm -hmm. is calling you can't resist that Mm -hmm. call you have to go and as soon as you decide to do it God is going to make all of those pieces yeah. fall in place, or at least mm-hmm. that's what he did for us. And yeah. I believe that's what he'll do for other people as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Let me talk to you for a second Waldina. one of the challenges that people face, I think two things in going from a larger church to a smaller church is one. Will I have friends? And I think mm-hmm. that it particularly hits millennials. There's more of a like, Hey, who's my friend group. And two, what about my kids? those are two big fears. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what's happened since you've gone to Corpus?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, those two amongst other things have been such a faith building, um, part in my walk with God, just, you know, like God has just, I mean, it's been amazing to see him work with, with that. So, know i think coming down yeah it's definitely scary we didn't know anybody here we did not know a soul here you know we didn't have any friendships we didn't have any any relationships um but i think you know particularly for the church here the sisters have just been so welcoming and so loving and i think you know i think it being um a group of people that have that are strong in their faith and have come down with the you know goal to seek and save the lost here you know these sisters are strong and so they've been very very much like hey we want to be a shoulder that you can cry on like please ask us whatever you need we want to be here and then i think something that's been you know encouraging is they love our kids too and and they want to take care of our babies and they want to Um, you know, they're not quite babies anymore, I guess a little bit, they're five and three, but, you know, I have quite a few sisters that just our kids love them and they're older, you know, but our kids love them because they're sweet and giving and they kind of, you know, pay attention to them and, um, and I think, you know, one of the biggest prayers that I had was, God, please let there be some children, because we didn't know. We didn't know. We really knew very little of what we were walking into when we said yes. So I had no idea whether there were going to be little kids or not, other, you know, young parents. And I think that was something that because of our leap of faith, God was like, yep, here you go. And so there's a really nice little group of, of little kids here that they get along so well with. Um and the community, I think, you know, it's just, they're, they're very much like you guys are our family. So we will take care of all of you, all Mm. four of you. Um, so I think that's been very encouraging. Yeah. I, I would say a lot of faith. Cause I mean, that's our part. That's my personal experience is I didn't come down knowing that there was, that there was going to be this amazing group of women. I mean, I had hoped and I had prayed, right. But that we're gonna really wrap their arms around our family. And, uh, and I think God completely blew that out of the water. I mean, wow. it's, it's been way more than what I could ever even have hoped for what I what I imagined. Um,
0: yeah, that's great. Yeah. As
2: well, you know, from Ashland, I mean, the, the small family that you get in a small church or the, the closeness and the unity makes up for the lack of programs and ministries. in a larger congregation. So our children don't need a children's ministry because they have so many relationships that are incredible and deep
0: and family oriented. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate the time. What, what parting shot, what advice would you give to someone who wants to live a no regrets life, who really wants to make a difference and uh, make this life count?
2: Yeah, that is a great question. You know, Rob, I think coming down to Ashland that summer, was so helpful for me and even set me up for this jump as well um i I don't know if you knew this but we were i was initially supposed to go to missoula montana that summer and (laughs) was so excited my girlfriend and i were supposed to go to there together and that got canceled last minute and so initially i had a tough time with the concept of ashland as well but prayed about it got my heart about it and was so excited and so i think my first the, the first thing is jump out and go visit a place or spend somewhere for mm. two weeks, get out of your current environment. And, yeah. um, and then to make the final leap, you've just got to stop being comfortable. It's yeah. so comfort in the U S is such yes. a huge focus and achievement for many. And comfort is really the opposite of a church planting. Mm. You just, you have to get out of your comfort zone and honestly, that's one of the best things for our faith. So if someone's thinking about going on a, you know, a mission team, write out a list of the pros and cons. And I think what you'll find is that most of the cons are worldly responses that don't really matter in the long run. And you will, it, it's so worth it to jump on a small mission team, a group, and your faith will just be exploded from mm-hmm. there. It's, it's so incredible.
3: Yes, I, I think that, you know, we say that a lot, right? That's something that I hear a lot. Get out of your comfort kid, get out of your comfort zone. Like we say that a lot. I've heard that. But I think this was like now that we've done this, I have never, I feel like I've never done anything this much out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and so I would say that, you know, yeah, definitely visit. And if there's even a tiny bit of the Holy Spirit like pulling at your heart that, you know. I do need to do this or, or a little part of me wants to do this but I'm scared I would say you know we fasted we prayed we got a ton of advice and just go for it mm. you know I, that's what I would say because we did e- everything I feel like practically was kind of holding us back our home our friends okay. everything in San Antonio there was really no like real reason to come except for God and I think that's something that I that God totally rewarded is I am and I said this to everybody and I prayed this God I am Only doing this for you, like, there is no other reason, there's nobody that I'm doing this for, there's not for myself. I want to stay here in my beautiful home, but I'm only doing this for you, God. And I think God has completely just like astonished me and how much my faith has grown, and uh, all the amazing things that you know we have here now, and people, and the relationships, and all of these cool things that are happening, and um. And I I just think this is, I, my faith has never been, uh, yeah, just stretched. And, and my, my, yeah, my faith in God is just like, wow, like just seeing him have all of these happen, all of these things happen right before my eyes. I just, it's been a while since I've seen, you know, very clearly God work in my life like this. So it's, but I don't think it would have happened if I wouldn't have said, all right, let's go, let's do it. Mm. So I would say jump out. A leap
0: of faith. That's fantastic. Nate and Waldina, thank you so much for being on the program today. It's great to have you guys.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much. It's been an honor.
0: Now, if someone were wanting to follow up with this, getting more information, I mean, you guys brought up so much practical help, and or maybe they're interested in Corpus Christi. How would they reach you?
2: Yeah, you can go to our website at www.gc3.church. And uh, GC3 is how we rebranded. It's uh, Gulf Coast Christian Church. And so that's the easiest way. There's a Mm -hmm. form on there, email. um, Or you can email me directly at nate.bigby at gmail.com. And Bigby is uh, spelled B-I-G-B-E-E.
3: We have a cool little video that we made that's Fun and funny, and kind of shows a little bit more visually what the what the church and what the city
2: looks like. Yeah, an invitation to move. Yeah, yeah, invitation to move here. We still need more people to come help us (laughs) (laughs) spread the word here in Corpus.
0: (laughs) Terrific, terrific. Well, I'll go ahead and include that in my notes. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob.
0: And I want to thank you today for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to help you to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you're enjoying this podcast, let me ask you a favor. Let your friends know about it and how to find it. Tell your church friends and spread the word. Have a great day and make this life count.